Welcome to the Nail Your Nutrition podcast, a podcast focused on training for endurance activity. I'm Sarah, a registered dietitian and toddler mom in the Washington, D.C. area. I write the blog Bucketless Tummy and focus most of my work on running and endurance athletes, as well as merging the principles of sports nutrition with the principles of intuitive eating. And I'm Marita, a sports dietitian and fellow toddler mom in Pensacola, Florida. I work with endurance athletes at my private practice, Eat to Compete. My goal is to help athletes learn to fuel their training with intuitive eating. We are two sports dietitians and moms here to break down the nutrition science to make training more fun and approachable for you. Whether you're a novice athlete, a weekend warrior, a mom trying to fit in a consistent exercise schedule, or a top finisher at big races, we want to help you understand the importance of fueling well. We're so glad to have you here and would appreciate you spreading the word or sharing this episode or podcast with a friend, family member, training partner, coworker, or anyone you would think would enjoy it. If you have a minute, please leave us a review wherever you subscribe to your podcast as that really helps the show. Now let's get to today's episode. Hello, happy new year. Welcome to the podcast. We have a fun episode for you today talking all about new year's resolutions for runners that don't have anything to do with weight loss. I know you're probably getting inundated with messages from Noom and Weight Watchers and all those other fun Whole30 things, but we're here to give you some actionable things that you can work on for the year that don't involve weight loss and involve your training and just your overall health. But first, Sarah, what was the best thing you got for Christmas? So I got some awesome heavy-duty backpacks. I needed, like, a new backpack. Um, my husband actually got me two. One's, like, a little bit more petite for professional travel with my laptop and sleek. And then one's a little bit more heavy-duty for hiking or traveling, like, on an airplane, place to put stuff for the kids and also personal stuff, lots of pockets and things like that. They're both from North Face, I believe. Nice. Yeah, so I was really happy with that. What about you? Well, I am the kind of person who makes a Pinterest board of gifts like for my mother-in-law because it's hard to shop for people and to think of things. And so I try to do it ahead and then she just picks and chooses from there. I really wanted a Susan Gordon bowl, like a pottery bowl. Have you heard of those? She's from Alabama. She's from Birmingham, but they are beautiful and they were always sold out. So she gave me a check to buy one, which was nice. But I think my favorite thing was probably a silk pillowcase. It's supposed Ooh. to help keep your hair manageable and prevent wrinkles. Has it helped you sleep better? No. Or do you just feel <laughs> no. do you feel cleaner? Yeah, I feel cleaner. I like that it matches um our pillows too. It's not super shiny, which I was kind of worried about. Like it's almost kind of hard to tell, which is which is good. The bed still looks, you know, de- cohesive, which is nice. And then I Andrew got me um a Stanley 1913 water bottle, one of those big ones, the 40 ounce ones. Which is good. I really like it, but it leaks everywhere. If it gets tipped over, oh my goodness, which I'm like, okay, they could have come up with a better design for this. This is silly. So both boys have knocked it over multiple times and it just goes all over the carpet. So oh, there's always like one thing yeah. with each of these different yeah. water bottles or it's products. So true. Like I need something that encompasses right. all of it. It just doesn't seem that hard for it to not leak. So I'm like, why why is this so hard? But that's fun. And then he actually got me a double jogging stroller, which he ordered, I guess, forever ago. But uh, he it hadn't come. It was still, I don't know, in the factory or something. So he canceled that because we got another single one. And that seems to be working out best for us. So instead, I got the new Garmin 
6S watch, which I'm super excited about. It'll be here tomorrow. No, it'll be here tomorrow. I'm excited. Oh, that's awesome. You'll have to let us know what you think about that. I have, I don't know, the Forerunner 280. I don't know. It's a few years old. It's nice. And since I haven't been training lately, I just usually run in my Apple Watch because that's what I'm like wearing day to day. Right. So you have to tell me what you like about that. I will, for sure. It's good for multi-sport. That's why I got it, even though I don't have plans to do a triathlon anytime soon, but, you know, hopefully in the future. So. But you did do your longest run. Did I see like seven plus miles? That's exciting. Seven and a half. I'm like slowly chipping away, feeling faster while keeping it easy still, which is nice. And I'm trying to decide if I should do just a half in the spring or try to do a full. I can't decide. So it's just hard. It's a lot of work to train and balance little kids. You know, I mostly stay at home and you think I have tons of time, but it's not the case. Right. Right. And you're still breastfeeding. Yeah. And there's a lot. Yeah, for sure. And I really don't want to get injured again. So I'm just trying to just I, I decided I would give myself the month of January to like stay around 20 to 25 miles and see how I feel at that volume and then make a decision. So yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I know you still have pretty warm weather in Texas. Oh God, so it's, it's not like it's cooling down for you. No, it's going to be 80 degrees today. So I <laughs> just I'm in short sleeves. It's why, 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 why? But you know, it's fine. I told Andrew, I was like, our next assignment, we have to go somewhere cold. I need seasons for at least three years. Like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Cause you went from Pensacola to there. Yep. So <laughs> yeah. What about you guys? Do you have snow? Not yet. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to snow. Um, we've just had a bunch of gray days lately, some rain, which we haven't had in a while, but I think it's going to get mild again this upcoming weekend, like fifties. Wow. Which is comfortable. Yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. if that's good or bad for COVID, but <laughs> maybe more people are outside versus inside with warmer weather. Maybe that's one good thing about this weird winter. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, okay, now that we are on the depressing topic of COVID, let's pivot to New Year's runner's resolutions. We have some fun ones. I hope you guys take some some things from this and don't don't get caught up in the dieting messages of 2022, you know, lose COVID-15 or whatever, all of that. Let's let's focus on things that are productive and will contribute to your training and your overall health and help you be a healthier version of you. Yeah. And some of these things may be things you say, like, I'll do that later, or, you know, it's on your to-do list, but you never prioritize. And they actually all contribute to better health, better running, better performance, endurance, whatever it is you're looking for. So hopefully this is the year you can actually prioritize some of that little stuff and make a habit out of it. That's, that's the hard part is making it a habit. You know, for me, like stretching is not my favorite thing, even core, I need to make more time to do that. Yeah. I might be doing twice a week and I really want to do it four or five times. So how do I make that a habit? And I read a great book. I read it maybe two years ago now. I I almost want to reread it again, but it's by James Clear. It's called Atomic Habit. And it's great. It's been praised by, you know, New York Times, all of the places. Everyone talks about it, but it's worth it. It really has some new ways to look at habits. And it's not the typical things you hear. And he talks about why habits work, why they don't work. And one thing that I really vividly remember from reading the book is to make a habit successful is that you want to add it on to something you're already doing. And it has to be like right before or right after this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to keep doing it until you don't think about it anymore. Because, you know, before we go to bed, we all probably brush our teeth and we don't even think about it. It's just become habitual. Right. So he, he, likens it to something like if you are trying to stretch, like after you come in for your run and you're 
going to get water, maybe that's when you stretch right then and there. Or before you even go get water, you sit down or you sit outside and you do your five minutes of stretches. And you have to do one thing before you do the next thing that you would mm-hmm. usually do. So you're kind of sandwiching it or you're Pain adding it. it onto something either before or after. Like if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is go get coffee and you really want to start journaling or meditating before you get that coffee, that's where you would add in this this new habit. Yeah. So I think it's very much easier said than done, but it, he gives a great process to walk it out to how to do it. And then he also talks about habits you want to break. So maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know, biting your fingernails is the first thing that comes oh, to mind. Oh, yes. That's why well, I'm, I'm But all something picking. like that, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's making it more inconvenient to, mm. to do that habit because we're humans and we're all about convenience and quick roots and mm-hmm. things like that. So making things convenient versus inconvenient. And he gives a lot more tips around that. Mm-hmm. But I highly recommend that book for yeah. anyone to read this year. That's great. I love that. I love the pairing. I think that that works really well. And super yeah. quick. It doesn't have to be 20-minute meditation or whatever you want journaling. You know, five minutes tops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love yeah. That. And I think that's one thing where we'll be talking about through all of our tips today is it's not all or nothing. It doesn't have to be long, like start slow. Doing something is better than doing nothing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's dive in then. Number one, as Sarah was just talking about, increase or improve stretching, strength, and mobility. So you guys have heard us talk about this in many different episodes. One that comes to mind especially is episode 35 with Jessica Volant, who is a physical therapist and Pilates instructor. She walked us through strength training for runners. And the one with Abby Bales, she's also a physical therapist. She talked about that as well. We will link those in the show notes. But incorporating more strength training and cross training is really crucial for your training. Also for right now, maybe you're in the off season and you're taking a little bit of a break from running or decreasing the volume and intensity. This is a really good time to build up that strength and some different cross training modalities to feel super, uh, have good form and feel super strong for that upcoming maybe spring races or fall races. This is also really great for injury prevention and to improve your overall strength and fitness. I 100% believe that if you are trying to become injury proof or at least reduce injury, strength training is crucial for that. And there is tons of research showing that that is true. So strength training can reduce your risk of injury. It also can calm and reduce stress. And then you're moving without overtraining. You're not constantly moving forward in that running motion. You're doing something different. You're training different muscles. You're strengthening those muscles that are weaker due to running and or sitting all day, leaning over a computer and or microphone like I am, that kind of a thing, right? So um, it helps work those different muscles, keeps everything balanced and helps you become a better runner too. It helps your posture. It helps your form. It helps you to be able to go longer and faster. And that goes into a new study that we have from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research. And it showed that runners who added three days of resistance training exercises to their weekly program increased their leg strength and enhanced their endurance. So you'll be able to recover faster from those long runs because strength training makes your body more efficient at converting metabolic waste into energy. And then you will be able to get out there sooner. And then Jason Fitzgerald, if you've ever heard of him, um, he is from Strength Running. He states that strength training prevents injuries by strengthening your muscles and connective tissues. So it really does help you run faster by improving the neuromuscular coordination and power. And it also improves your running economy because it's encouraging coordination and stride efficiency. So again, you're strengthening all of 
kind of like Marita said, we're used to just going forwards when we're running. We're not working on that side to side motion or any of the other motions. So when we are taking the time to do that, our stride improves. We become more efficient. So incorporating weights into your regular exercise routine has been proven to increase your speed in VO2 max. Your muscles don't need to expend as much energy to hit a certain pace because they're stronger. And that's one thing when I'm working with runners who maybe are only running like 70 plus miles a week and we're like, well, what if you run a little bit less and spend some time doing more strength training? That idea is like foreign to them. Although I will say, I think runners are starting to recognize that strength training does have a place in a training plan. And there's a lot of successful runners. A lot of pro runners are talking about it now, what they do. So hopefully it's becoming more commonplace because this is something, I mean, all females, all people should be doing it, but females, especially if you really want to protect your bones and really improve every aspect of performance as much as possible. So again, increase your strength. You're increasing your joint stability too, which reduces your risk of repetitive stress injuries. One study showed that incorporating movements, even things like squats, single leg hops, and some ab work, so things you don't even necessarily need weights for, you can use body weight, can not only prevent lower body injuries, but improve performance as well. And leg exercises are extra important when it comes to reducing injury because, again, these exercises strengthen muscles around the knees and the hips. And those are two areas that often cause problems for runners. So we recommend, there's some great people on Instagram we recommend that talk a lot about strength. Um, The Peloton app, we talk about that pretty much every episode. Yeah. Lift, run, (laughs) perform. Um, Mary, is that her name? Yeah. Yeah, it's a marathon, Mary Johnson. It's a marathon. Yeah, she has a really great Instagram account and she, I think she has some videos where she's demonstrating Mm -hmm. things. Jessica Vallant, again, episode 35, talks about the benefits of that. And we'll put some other resources in the show notes for you. Yeah. And I just want to give a quick plug to, again, not sponsored, the Mobo board. I feel like that that has really helped with my weak feet and weak lower legs. I think I really think that's the only reason I've been able to run uh, the last couple months consistently and and without an injury, knock on wood. Um, But it's really great for strengthening your foot and the arch of your foot and utilizing that big toe to actually work because that's where the push-off is for your run. So super important. If you haven't heard of Mobo Board, board Jade Sherry, who is like the top physical therapist for runners in the U.S., um, he has a whole like thing in Bend where he watches you run on the treadmill and stuff. But I highly, highly recommend the Mobo Board if you were really struggling with lower leg injuries and weak feet and weak arches like me. One more thing to improve. Yes. Okay. The next one we're going to talk about is sleep. Again, you've probably heard this. We had our sleep expert, Amy, on the show. Um, That was, let's see. Episode episode? 19. Episode 19. Um, Go back to that. That was like right before I had Hannah because I think (laughs) I went into labor. I was like, sorry, Marita, not on the episode today. (laughs) Yeah. Really good. She works with elite athletes and studies sleep and it's fascinating how much sleep affects performance. Like mm-hmm. you you would know this from reading, but you can feel it. So again, getting more sleep boosts recovery and immunity. You have less brain, fro- brain fog. Your cortisol levels aren't increased as much. And I can tell. I mean, I try to put sentences together on nights I don't get enough sleep and it's hard. I have to oh, think yeah. really hard to think of a word I want to say. I feel like it's actually been like that for years, having small children and not mm-hmm. getting enough sleep. But um, the nights, like two nights ago, I got 10 hours of sleep and it was amazing. Oh, so I can, and I like? really felt better that whole day. So that's, that's just not possible every night, but 
if you can aim to get seven to eight hours of sleep each night, that might mean foregoing your morning workout or shortening it. And in the long term, that's actually going to be a lot better for your body. Poor sleep quality and insufficient sleep can have negative effects on how well and how long you can focus on tasks. Basically, there's a thing called sleep debt. So that's the amount of sleep you're you're losing. So if you take this idea of sleep debt, as it increases, your cognitive performance decreases. Um, and we have a study cited in the show notes that you can see this, but you're also going to have problems with short-term memory, which sometimes I feel like I, I have that. Oh my gosh. 100%. I ask Andrew the same thing a million times. He's like, we just talked about this. And I'm like, I got zero sleep last night with our child. So, <laughs> Right. I'm like, where did I put my phone 10 seconds ago, 17 times a day? And then another thing, don't work out right before sleep. Uh, stop workouts three to four hours prior to bedtime. I actually think I kind of forgot about this. And yesterday I went for a run around like five and then I could not get to sleep last night. I'm like, why can I not sleep? And maybe I thought maybe that was it. So I think that that does, it does really help to kind of curtail those, those workouts to three to four hours prior to bedtime. Cut out caffeine after midday. Some people are more sensitive to caffeine. Some people can have a cup of coffee at 5 p.m. and be totally fine to go to bed at 10. Other people cannot. I definitely cannot. So maybe say your cutoff is like 2 or 3. No more caffeine after that. Switch to decaf coffee, herbal tea, water, um, you know, a a spritzer or a, a spin drift, anything like that. Make sure your bedroom isn't too hot or too cold, but I know studies have shown that people sleep optimally. I think it's like 67 or 68 degrees. Colder is better. I like it cold when I sleep. I get really hot. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same. Keep the bedroom just for sleeping or other adult activities. Don't watch TV or do work in bed. Don't maybe even don't even bring your phone into your bed or on your nightstand. Maybe put it away um, or like on your dresser away from you so that you're not tempted to look at it if you are awake or you can't fall asleep because that blue light is going to interact with your hormones that are produced for sleep. Get blue light blocking glasses and wear them at night. I actually do this when I'm nursing wrecks. And I find that that really helps if I, if I don't wear them, then I have trouble going back to sleep when I'm nursing uh, my son in the middle of the night. Turn off electronics at least 30 minutes before to, before you go to bed. I know you can do this on an iPhone. I don't know about an Android, but you can set um, a reminder 30 minutes before it's like time to wind down and they, it turns your phone off so that it stops notifications. So that's, that's nice if you want to start that. Have a routine. Wash your face, brush your brush your teeth, read a story, meditate. That way your body knows, okay, we're getting into our routine. We're doing our same thing. It's time to start to wind down. Listen to a sleep meditation on the Calm app or Peloton. I know the Calm one you have to pay for, I believe. I haven't used it, but I've heard really good things. And I've been seeing a lot of ads for it lately. So that's something to definitely try. Set your phone to remind you again to wind down and go to sleep. And then this is something that I actually got for my sister-in-law is get a light alarm. And that'll help you wake up easier. I had one years ago and then I had children, so I don't have to use that anymore. But it actually starts to slowly light up the room so that it helps you wake up earlier. Like let's say you have to wake up at 5 and obviously there's no sunrise at 5 a.m. So you set it and it's like slowly, slowly, slowly lights up the room. So then you wake up just a little bit more naturally. Again, try to aim for at least seven to eight hours of sleep. Some people need more, some people need less, but eight hours is about the optimal amount of sleep. If you're an athlete, you probably need more than that. And again, if you want to know more about sleep for sport, um, check out our episode 19. We have a whole episode devoted to that. 
All right, the next one, and again, most of these are behaviors because weight is not a behavior. So if you go into 2022 saying I want to lose X amount of pounds, that's not a behavior. That's an outcome. And a lot of that is out of your control. And you can listen to a lot of our past episodes about that. Um, But let's talk about ditching the diet mentality because I think that's a good thing we can all practice, especially knowing that diet culture comes at you strong as we enter January. It's everywhere. There's, There's people trying to sell you things. There's people trying to tell you that you're not worthy unless you're a certain body size. There's Photoshop models everywhere. And we really, really want to move away from that and start to let go of the skinnier equals faster mentality. So again, to start Listen to a lot of our past episodes. This is what we incorporate into as many of them as possible because our stance is that sports nutrition can be compatible with intuitive eating and you can fuel properly and have a good relationship with food and perform well. So we recommend reading the intuitive eating book. Again, that's by Elise Resch and Evelyn Triboli. They just had a new version come out last year. So try to incorporate those principles into your everyday life. Um, That's exactly what we're working on clients with. We also talk about them in our course. So grab our Million Nutrition Fueling course for extra help with that. Some tips we give to clients to get started are really try not to assign morality to food. So foods are not good or bad. They're not, they're just an, an inanimate object, right? They're neutral. So instead, shift your mindset and say, rather than saying, do I deserve this food? Ask if you're hungry. Do do you want this food? Will you feel deprived if you don't eat it? What's the course of your day? How is it going to change if you do or don't eat this food? If you're going to keep thinking about it, well, you probably want that food. So what would it look like to give yourself unconditional permission to eat that food? Another thing is to honor your hunger. Check in with your hunger levels each time you eat, before and after, and using the hunger scale and fullness scales. And I should say, you don't have to do that every time you eat. Maybe you want to start with just one meal a day. Maybe there's one meal where, let's say lunch. Let's say you always eat lunch and then an hour later, you're hungry. Maybe that's the one that you tap into and you're like, okay, how do I feel before? I kind of forgot my morning breakfast or my morning snack after breakfast. I only had a salad without any bread you're probably going to be hungry in an hour, right? So tap in, see how you feel on the hunger and fullness scales, and we can include one of those in the show notes. This principle of honoring your hunger also teaches you how to identify the more subtle signs of hunger that we tend to suppress through dieting and restriction. This can really throw off those hunger cues. So intuitive eating includes practices to get back in touch with those cues. Keep in mind that diet rules also tend to blunt our willingness to truly honor your hunger. Start to cue into those hunger and fullness cues by taking time throughout the day to check in with your body and asking yourself how you really feel, how hungry you actually feel or how full you actually feel. You can even just use a simple like one to 10 scale, like one, I'm starving, I need to eat something, 10, I'm Thanksgiving full. Think about other forms of hunger too. Taste hunger, something sounds good or an occasion calls for it. Practical hunger. You're planning ahead if you won't be able to eat for a long period of time, or maybe you're not necessarily hungry, but you know you should eat. That comes into play with athletes a lot of the time. And then emotional hunger. Once you can ID and distinguish biological hunger, it becomes really a lot easier to clarify why you want to eat. And sometimes emotional hunger quenches uncomfortable feelings like loneliness, boredom, and anger. And in those situations, it can be totally fine to eat. Sometimes it, it could be the best coping mechanism you have, right? It's 
it's really thinking about the big picture. And if it's something that's always leading to eating and then you feeling bad about yourself, then that's something we'd want to look into a little bit more. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So for athletes, things to to know and, and just a reminder is that you often have blunted hunger after workouts. That's normal. That's a result of cortisol being high. Your body is trying to bring heart rate down. It's trying to restore body temperature. It's not tuning into physical sensations of hunger. Doesn't mean you don't need to eat. That's one of the situations where we're not necessarily reminding you to only eat when you're hungry. Again, looking at it that way is a black and white rule. Instead, intuitive eating is, is very nuanced. So know that a lack of hunger cues due to chaos or intense training is totally normal. Um, and it's important that you stay on top of this. Maybe that means doing a little mental or physical preparation before your workout and saying, all right, here's the smoothie I'm going to eat after. Um, because if you're not doing that, it's really likely that you're going to be under fueling overall, especially if you're doing these workouts every day, like day to day, it might not make a big difference. But if you're doing seven workouts a week, and that's seven pre or post workout snacks that you're missing, that adds up. And that can really take a toll on how you feel. I would urge you to go listen to our episode on Red S, which is episode 14. Also would urge you to listen to Disordered Eating. We have an episode with Fiona Sutherland, which is episode 13, one of our more popular ones. Um, Georgie Buckley, episode 18. And then we have a bunch throughout orthorexia, things like that. Spotting Disordered Eating is episode 37. Those would be great places to start. And just some takeaways for athletes. Remember to be flexible with your pre and post nutrition. Like Sarah said, maybe you do need a plan ahead. Or maybe something is just a convenience food like you know, a chocolate milk that is prepackaged and normally you wouldn't have something that is prepackaged or it's not something that you would normally grab. Remember to be flexible. It's super, it's, it's more important to get something in than really what it is. So if you just have to have to have, you know, quick chocolate milk or a protein bar, be flexible with that. Consider your environment and social atmosphere. A lot of the times you think that you need to eat what your friends are eating or your family and tune into your cues and stay in your lane. Try not to label a homemade sports drink as better than Gatorade or another sports drink. Those aren't always the best. I actually got the new uh, Rise and Run book. Do you have that with Shalane? I do have that. Yeah. Love the book. But I was reading through it yesterday and they've talked about how there's they have a particular sports drink and how a lot of them are filled with sugar. And to not have those, mm. I was like, Bah, but you're supposed to have the sugar. That's where you have to put on your, <laughs> yeah. your diet culture lens and know that yep. it's everywhere because, yes, they're great athletes and, yes, they're really esteemed for these cookbooks. Um, but I have actually found oh, yeah. some good things in it. I really like that they yes. promote like whole milk, all the nut butters, yogurt, and, and they're not talking yes. about skimping the fat. But yeah, to Marita's point, like some of the things can still have a hint of diet culture in there. Right. And I think that that was like one of the only things that I found. Maybe there was some other talk about like processed white sugar versus coconut sugar or something oh, like yeah. that. But but it was like, okay, if you're having a sports drink during your workout, you need some sugar because you need some yeah. carbs. And so. honestly, you guys, your body does not know the difference. No. Nope. Like nope. <laughs> maple syrup, added sugar, like it's all going to do the same thing in your yeah. body. It does not yeah. matter. Yeah. You don't need to spend an extra five bucks on coconut sugar. Yeah. I don't. So mm-hmm. don't worry about it. Uh, also include foods you enjoy regularly so that you feel satisfied and that you, you know, just enjoy life. Life's too short to not have ice cream. Okay. Reframe negative thoughts and patterns. Don't base food choices off of exercise. Let me say that again. Don't base food choices off of exercise. 
Just because you didn't run your five miles that you were supposed to run today doesn't mean that you can't have that dessert or those chips on the side of your sandwich that you want to have. And give yourself permission to eat more on rest days. We are often more hungry on rest days than we are on the days that we run long. That's just our physiology. That happens. I personally experience that too. You might be thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't do anything today. Why am I so hungry? Totally normal. Just your body trying to recover. Don't freak out. Exactly. That's a good one. Um, We love that topic. So if you have more questions about that, reach out by the course. Um, You also get put in a private Facebook group where you have more access to us as well. So another one, I really like this one, especially because it's something that I'm pretty much living in right now is set goals that have nothing to do with times. So yes, I totally think there's a time and place in a season of life to have a time goal, be motivated, want to run sub three or sub four or whatever that looks like for you. I think it can be really, really inspiring. But I also think it can be very pressure inflicting. And if you're in a season of life where it's just not compatible, like maybe work is crazy or you don't have childcare, you're really going to be running yourself down. So again, we can have other goals around exercise. And one thing to remember is that they don't even have to be race-based. Like you don't just have to have a race on the calendar to stay motivated. While that may help for some people, it's okay to not PR or not have a race on the calendar. So here are some ideas for some other goals that don't involve races or even PRs. So try going watchless for a run. For some of you, that might feel scary. And you're saying like, what the heck? I I need to know how far I've gone. I need to calculate my total weekly mileage. I get it. I get it. That's the runner mentality, very type A. But can you learn to tune into your pace and just enjoy running for what it is rather than having to hit a certain amount? Can you try a new loop? Anything like that. It, It really forces you to learn to trust your body a little bit more and get in tune. And and who knows what might come out of it? You might really enjoy it. If you don't like it, that's okay too. You can always go back Mm -hmm. to to running with a GPS watch. Also, maybe getting into a more consistent running or non-running routine. Like, has it felt overwhelming to run lately? What are the barriers there? Maybe you've taken time off with the holidays. Training has been scattered. I know with Thanksgiving leading up to Christmas, there's just a lot going on. Again, with childcare, we are still in a global pandemic. Like, there's just a lot. So maybe it just looks like committing to running one to three times a week for some consistency. Maybe you pick those days out ahead of time and and see how that feels and works for your body. You can also work on increasing distance or volume. So work on getting to a number of miles per week and just maintain that consistency. Make sure that you also change your nutrition if you are increasing mileage and see how that feels with your body. Maybe you've been stuck at 15 miles a week for a long time and you just haven't thought twice about it. And maybe you work up to 20 miles, 25, even 30 and and see what happens. Other things you can do are work on things that scare you, um, maybe like hills. I don't know about you guys, but I live in like the hill, literally it's called Hill Country, Texas. So I don't have a choice. But if you maybe avoid hills because you don't want to do them because they're hard, because they are hard, choose a hillier route once a week or find one steep hill and do hill repeats. Hills are speed work in disguise for runners. So if that's something that you want to focus on or maybe you want to choose a hillier race, which a lot of major marathons are hillier for the fall, um, choose that, choose that hill, go for it. Join a running group. It's a great way to have accountability while also making friends and to just try a new route, maybe go a little bit faster or maybe take that time to go a slower and choose an easier day and just chat with some people. 
Try trail running if that's near and available to you. Great for the joints. It's a new challenge. You get out in nature. You probably feel like a new person coming off the trails. I am way too clumsy for trails, but (laughs) I just always fall. Do you like trail running? I do. In Charlotte, I would do it. I would do it more often. Um, Here, I I run on the CNO Canal, which it's pretty much a flat road. It's just not paved. Um, And there's trails off of it. So, but yeah, it it can get pretty technical and I pretty much have to look down (laughs) every step I take. Oh, yeah. I haven't done as much trail running lately. But for me, that's easier to go watch list because it's, there's so much to look at. And I feel like I can get lost Mm -hmm. in like a podcast or even just running in silence. Yeah. Yeah. And you're using different muscles too, which is nice. Totally. Speaking of that, try a new sport once or twice a week. Maybe take up swimming or biking or something totally different and see how that improves your overall health and your running. Also, that can definitely help influence your endurance and aerobic capacity. And then as always, take at least one dedicated rest day a week. I know we get caught up in how many miles we run, the volume, all that fun stuff, but definitely need at least one rest day where you're not doing anything, maybe just stretching, nothing. Don't sneak anything else in. All right. We've talked about this before on several podcasts. So you're probably like, oh my gosh, why are we talking about this again? But working on mental toughness is really important. And it's a really important aspect of training because often your body can go further than your mind. So if you keep hitting a mental wall at mile 20 or struggle with thoughts like, I can't do this, I need to slow down, now is the time to work on mental toughness. We've talked about these books before, but How Badly Do You Want It by Matt Fitzgerald and Let Your Mind Run by Dina Castor are two that we recommend all the time. Other things you can do. Meditate regularly to sharpen your mind and quiet negative thoughts. Maybe get some mantras. Like a lot of people are really into to mantras. I really like you can do hard things. I think that's from Glennon Doyle. That's a good one that I like a lot. Anything that you can use and really utilize during your workout is super important. Do you have a mantra that you like? Well, I was just thinking Peloton has great ones. I mean, they always say yeah, like um, progress, not perfection, but... Oh, I think the other day, Jess Sims was like, I didn't have this time. I made this time. Like, I don't have time to exercise. I made this time today. So really like prioritizing time for yourself. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other good ones I've heard too, but thinking about it that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So many good mantras. Whatever resonates with you. I mean, if you have a race coming up, maybe like write it on your arm or get it on a bracelet, something like that. Repeat it to yourself over and over. That that does really help break through that mental um, block. So I just read this article yesterday and I thought it was so interesting, but it says to use you talk and not I talk. So say to yourself, you can do this instead of I can do this. That's more effective. I think it said, I'm I'm totally going to butcher this, but I think it said it was like 23% more effective in getting Mm. to your goal faster. So I guess like Meb uses you talk instead of I talk and he used to use I talk and now he uses you talk and that's more effective. Yeah. I thought it it was so interesting. I think it takes, so I'm thinking of a way I've read to like use your name. And this is in a lot of like work with clients too. So if it's like, oh, you can eat that fear food. It's, or it's like reminding yourself like Hmm. Justine, this Mm -hmm. is a cookie. Justine, you can have the cookie. Mm-hmm. It's almost like taking yourself out of the equation because you would say that to someone else. So like mm. normalizing it to yourself. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if like using your name would say like, yeah. Sarah, you can do this. Run that last mile or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you've got this. Yeah. You're, yeah. Yeah. That could be it. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. 
Yeah. And I'm thinking for me, like the mental toughness, I think the hills, like you mentioned, Rita is one thing, like I might avoid hills on my route if possible, or if I'm going up one, I will just like Mm -hmm. go really slow. And I know I'm doing it because I'm like, oh, this is hard. I'm going to save my gas. Um, And another one I really need to work on my mental toughness is treadmill running because like that just gets my mental, like I just get so bored and mentally I'm like, I'm done. But I could go further. I just have to work on that mental toughness to get – because once you get over a hump, it's kind of like once you're running for a long period of time, you know how you get the runner's high and the endorphins, but it's like getting to that Mm -hmm. point can be challenging. But once you get to it, you prove to yourself Mm -hmm. that you can do it. So it's like a treadmill. I have to like remind myself I can run more than 30 minutes on the treadmill. I just have to prove it to myself. And that's like what we talked about with your sleep bank. That's like your mental bank. Those are the things that you remember when you're in in another hard workout or in another race. And you're like, oh, I did that that one time. I did that really hard workout or I pushed up that super heavy weight that I didn't think I could do. I can do this now. Like that's Mm -hmm. your reserve that you can fall back on when things are really tough. Yeah, Yeah. totally. One more thing is you can also journal. Uh, The Believe Journal from Lauren Fleshman has prompts that you can use. That's really the only like running related journal that I know of that would be in that kind of vein. But if you guys know of any more, let us know. You probably knew this was coming, but figure out your fueling. That's a really great way to improve performance because oftentimes nutrition is your secret weapon that many people aren't tapping into. So try new gels. I know Martin is having its moment right now. That's really popular. So if you're someone who really can't find a gel that sits well with you or you've sworn them off, there's lots of products out there. I guarantee there's something that will work for you. Choose sports drinks, powders, actual food options. There's so many things to choose from. So you're ready to go with a solid fueling plan. And then things that we also talk about with clients are hydration. So most of us, myself included, especially the last week or two, just being out of routine with my kids at home, I am not drinking enough water. Like I'm feeling extremely yeah. thirsty. I, I made sure to add electrolytes into my water yesterday just to improve my hydration. Um, Walking or steps, maybe that looks like sitting less, walking on phone call, taking more frequent breaks throughout the day to stand up, things like that. You can increase physical activity without high impact training. Totally possible. Increasing fruits and vegetables. Those are great things we say as dietitians, but yes, they have health benefits. Um, If you're someone who's already eating plenty, please find a different goal. (laughs) Maybe increase your fun food intake or increase variety of food. If you're someone who eats the same exact thing, everything, every day, every meal, because you know the breakdown, let's try to focus on flexibility. Well, we hope that this was beneficial for you and that you are going to take some of these ideas and maybe turn them into your runner resolution, or maybe you have something already in mind that doesn't involve, hopefully, hopefully, a weight loss goal. Because just remember, you do not need to lose weight just because it's a new year or really ever. So maybe take some of these ideas and implement them to make you a more well-rounded and healthy athlete. And just an overall, like, less stressed person. We hope that this this gives you the peace of mind that you do not need to lose weight and you don't need to stress about that for the new year. Don't forget to leave us a review. Please, 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 if you're enjoying the podcast, a review is a great way to support us. Um, just take two seconds and give us a typed review on Apple or Spotify or your listening podcast. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone. Happy new year. Happy new year. That wraps up today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review so others can find it more easily. 
You can also stay in touch by joining our Facebook group, Nutrition for Runners. If you have any requests for future episode topics and more, email us at nailyournutritioncourse1 at gmail.com. Happy fueling!